More than ever, I am super selective on how I spend my time, whether it's choosing which emails to read or how I get my continuing ed units. I want value for my time and efforts. I'm Shar Beauchart, and I bet you can relate. So when I say I get my CEUs from SpeechTherapyPD.com, just know their speech-language videos and pod courses are practical and totally worth it. And right now, you have the exclusive opportunity to pay less for the subscription than I did. <laughs> okay? Memorize this discount code. It's SHAR, C-H-A-R. Just go to SpeechTherapyPD.com, subscribe, and at checkout, type in what? SHAR, C-H-A-R. You get a $10 discount for heaven's sakes. <laughs> Do it now. It doesn't take long. SpeechTherapyPD.com. You and your speech kids will be glad you did. It's time well spent. Welcome to The Speech Link. I'm your host, Shar Beauchart, and I invite you to listen and learn practical strategies from experienced experts to take your therapy to the next level. Today, I have two guests, Heidi Britz and Alyssa Kilduff. You may recognize their names, both Heidi and Alyssa. Each gave a very informative SpeechLink podcast, but they're together today. In fact, all of us are together in studio to share knowledge and ideas for the school-based speech-language pathologist on how to get your year off to a great start. Now, just a little bit about each one first. Heidi received her master's in communicative disorders and is an experienced speech-language pathologist of over 25 years. Her experience ranges from pediatric hospitals to young adults with developmental disabilities and all ages in between in the public schools and in private practice. She is the proud owner of her own private practice called Shine Speech-Language Therapy. Heidi's specialty area is social language. She is a seminar presenter and has created many social language materials and has an online store, smartmouthslp.com. Her materials are also on Teachers Pay Teachers and Pinterest. Alyssa has her master's degree in speech-language pathology and is an experienced speech-language pathologist. Her primary interests are in language-based learning disabilities, collaboration, and curriculum-based interventions. Alyssa helped develop a statewide training for SLPs and general ed teachers on collaboration, and she is the co-author of IEP Goal Writing for School-Based Speech-Language Pathologists. Prior to her current position, Alyssa served as the lead SLP in a large metro school system where she supervised and trained the county's 150-plus SLPs. Whoa. Currently, both of these highly qualified ladies are SLPs in the Forsyth County Schools here in Georgia. They are each at large elementary schools. We're talking 1,400-plus students. Alyssa serves the pre-K to second graders with a variety of disabilities and special needs. And in another school, also 1,400-plus students, Heidi serves grades K-1 and grades 2-3 autism classrooms. And so others can discern your voices and tell you guys apart. Welcome back to the Speech Link, Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to be here. Oh, great. And welcome back to the Speech Link, Heidi. Hi, I'm glad to be here too, and I'm excited to spend time with both of you. Oh, me too. I think this is going to be totally fun. Now, school has already started 
for you too. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Oh, yeah. So do you guys do the preschool kind of training and all of that? Do you do that? Yes. Um, we started pre-planning on July 24th. Ooh. And then our students came back on August 1st. Yes. So we had several days of pre-planning and in-servicing and meetings galore um, and hit the ground running. Yes, I bet you did. So I'm thinking that you probably did, what, four, five, six pre-days? Yes. Is that about kind of what you did? Okay. Uh, Six days. Oh, my gosh. And you attended meetings. But could you share with us some of the things that you do during those days? I mean, how do you spend those days? I know you're at meetings. Yes. But what do you do? Absolutely. So I know when when I came in, we we went straight to meetings. Um, but part of those meetings was getting together with all of the staff and getting to know new staff, introducing new staff, new administrators. We have a new principal. Mm-hmm. So um, there were a lot of get to know you activities. Uh, so even though I wasn't in my room, for a little while, mm-hmm. I was able to build some some community there, it, which is perfect for the beginning of the school year. Yes. Right. And then also, in addition to those things, the team building, we have to um, meet with the state requirements and the district requirements for things like mandated reporting, um, just the paperwork and crossing our, our T's and dotting our I's as far as what has to be done. Um, and everyone has to attend. So we know that before we even get in the door. Okay, so all of that's information for you and the teachers. Yes. And, yes. Okay, all right. So you are sitting there. The teachers see you as one of the group. Yes, absolutely. Right. We are definitely seen right from the beginning as being one of the staff members in the school. Yes. Now, I am wondering, do you introduce yourselves at that time? Do you talk about what you're going to be doing throughout the school year? Do you do you lay a base of information there for the teachers in your school to let them know kind of what you do and how they can get in touch with you? Do you share that information at, during those times at all? Um, What's well, not really an opportunity necessarily, unless you're new staff coming in. And that's when you're kind of recognized and introduced to the staff. Okay. We do lay a school-wide theme at that time. Um, And it's kind of nice because everybody's working on it in their own way, including speech and language. And ours is rise and shine this year. And, And ours is with purpose, on purpose. With purpose, on purpose. Okay, well, I got to think about those. (laughs) Okay, so both of you have very large schools, and there are other speech-language pathologists within your schools, which is kind of unusual. And you have more than one. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And Alyssa, how many do you have at your school right Uh, now, speech-language pathologists? I am one of five full-time speech pathologists. Wow. And Heidi, how many are at yours? Uh, We have six speech pathologists, four full-time, and then two of us are part-time. Okay. So that really does, I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, that helps you to sort of specialize. Yes. Like Heidi, you are with the young autistic kids. Yes. And you have your specific kids, your preschoolers and so on. Yes. So you can kind of specialize 
Okay. And that, I would think that would be a really good thing. It is, yeah, it is. It's, um, it's definitely nice to have that flexibility so everybody can build on their own strengths. Mm-hmm. And I think with my school, particularly, we have a lot of center-based programs and it's nice to be able to grow with our kids for a year or two. They may not stay with me the whole time, but I can track with them long enough to really build relationships with the teacher and the kids and the parents as well. Mm-hmm. which is great. You know, I would think, especially for those SLPs that are at the third and fourth grade level and the mm-hmm. fifth and sixth grade level, that they really appreciate you guys. Yes. You know, because you are kind of at the younger levels and you can help lay that base. And then at the beginning of the year, do you meet with those other SLPs to kind of share Absolutely. what you yes. know about those kids and what um, you've yes. done and how they've improved or not improved and <laughs> yes. suggestions? Absolutely. That makes it makes it just a great opportunity to say, okay, well, this is this is where we were with this student and this is what works. This what this is what doesn't work. This is how hard it's going to be to schedule this student. This is who they should should not be grouped with (laughs) those sorts of little. Wow. How great is that? Amazing. Very. wonderful. Yes. Really nice. Okay. All right. You guys, you've got your specialties and so on. But we're talking about the beginning of the year and things that you kind of do. And I know and I'll confess, we kind of talked a little bit about this (laughs) prior. And the word that kept coming up was community. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that kind of goes along with what we just mentioned about making sure that we attend the meetings and that the teachers see us and we talk with them and so on. But when I say community, kind of what comes to mind and, you know, what do you do? I mean, you're involved in collaboration a lot, Alyssa. I know that. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, it means letting those teachers know that you are, you're still there you, those teachers may have different students in their classroom, and I may not be in that room as much as I was because of the makeup of the classroom, but I'm still there. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm still doing the same things just with different students. But if you need me, you let me know. Um, it's talking to those new, those teachers who now have those students, um, right from the get-go, going and finding some of those teachers who have some of the more difficult students. I I work with a lot of the more involved um, special education students that receive a lot of other services, whether they're co-taught, resource, they have OT, PT. Um, So just getting right on board with that teacher from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. this is what I can help you with this is what um, this is what I plan to help you with with this student. You let me know what you need. Just building that right from day one. Mm-hmm. And I think to pony off of what Alyssa said, I think there are different circles of community in school. So the teachers and the SLPs is one circle, but then you also have your parent circle, how you uh, relate and communicate with them because they're trusting their kids to us. And that's Mm -hmm. a big part of being in the community. I think also knowing who your people are, you you find your tribes in your communities. Um, In our school, my um, autism classroom teachers are great. We're in their classes all the time. We have a lot of trust with one another. 
we sometimes have really hard days when we can be there for one another. And then we have such large speech departments. We're our own community, too. Mm -hmm. So I think you have all those circles of connection that are really important for you to embed yourself in. Don't Mm -hmm. isolate yourself Get connected. I think that's really important. Oh, yeah. And, Get connected. And, and even if you're not one of multiple SLPs in a building, because that's kind of atypical, there make sure you find those other communities that Heidi was talking about. So whether it's the special education teachers that you work very closely with, or whether it's the group of um, general education teachers that you're working most closely with, you have to have some community that you can really feel are your people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So would you say that, you know, you get through the pre-training days and then you're moving in and here come the kids and you're doing so many things. Is that, is, does that community building continue to happen? Would you say so? Yes. It's during those first few days. It's going around saying, hi, I'm here. You're here. (laughs) Let's Mm -hmm. work together. Here's how we can, can, uh, you know, what we can do together to, to build a good program for our kids. And then the kids come in and the teachers are busy. Yep. You're going to continue to go in and see them and so on. But that first week, what are some of the things that you do that first week? Um, I'll, a lot of what when you actually are allowed in your room, because we know that <laughs> that takes a little while, um, you've got your room to decorate and focus on, but that is not the most important thing. You have to go, like I was saying, meet with some of those teachers, let them know, hey, I, this kid is coming on Monday and this is, you know, I'm not going to be pulling him right away. I'm got, I have to schedule first, but you need to build those foundations with that teacher because mm-hmm. once their kids come and they are swamped, you right. are then going to be asking them when you can take kids out of their room. Mm-hmm. And that is very difficult for the teachers. So if you can build up, build them up with what you are there for, then they're going to be more willing to let their kid go with Mm -hmm. you out of their room. Mm -hmm. And I think being flexible, especially those first month or two (laughs) or 10 years of school (laughs) is really important because like we were talking about earlier, everybody is struggling with scheduling and time management and requirements put on them. and, And we're all stressed. So if you can empathize and be flexible, it's going to come back to you because if you work with people, they're going to be more willing to work with you. And scheduling is a nightmare. There's just no way around it. It Mm -hmm. just is. And the more involved our kids are, the more people who are going to be involved in the scheduling. And it gets really tricky sometimes. But if you can come to the table with a solution when there's a problem, then more likely you're going to be able to have resolution and everybody's going to win. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we slid right into scheduling, <laughs> kind of uh, our our top priority here. Yes. And, and it is, it's, it is something that is a challenge and it is everybody's challenge. It's not just those that are brand new mm-hmm. out of college heading into the schools for the first time. It's also the person that's been in the schools for 10, 20, 30 yeah. years. Correct. It just is because we're working around so many schedules. Yes. 
And I, you know, I mean, we have to get in there and, and our priority as well. But what are some of the parameters or the suggestions, the tips and tricks that you do for your schedule? Heidi, um, what do you do? I think what works for me, I'm a very visual person, a visual learner. So I love sticky notes. So I will put sticky notes in different colors all on my table to block out lunches and recess and specials and times I know I can't take my kids and then I know what I have to work with. Then we can take into account the teacher's preferences because that's important too. They are their kids and try to work my schedule from there. I also go old school and write calendars in pencil (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's going to change and I'm going to erase it. So Mm -hmm. I love to be able to just have that as my starting point and I don't get attached to my first schedule. It it never stays the same. It's going to change and it's okay. (laughs) Totally true. Yes, absolutely. So you do sticky notes. I do. I do. So is that within like a big schedule that you have on your desk? I write it. What do you do? (laughs) I write it in um, dry erase marker on a big table and make my own calendar and put my sticky notes. It's what works for me. Good idea. (laughs) And then I can move. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Then you're not erasing all the time. Yes. We we have also done the sticky note piece. Um, We... We come together, all the whole group of us, the five of us, and we have the master schedule with the lunch and the specials, and we have the the academic segment schedules that are laid out for each teacher. Um, and you can't start anything until you have all of those pieces. Mm-hmm. And then we pull, we did it on a Google Doc this year, so we could all see it at one time. Mm-hmm. And we block out the times that the certain grade levels can't be seen, the times that we are not available because of lunch duty or RTI or whatever assigned duty we have that year. We then individually, we look at what is available on our own schedules and then we can start plugging students in. Mm-hmm. So we may start out with this idea that, you know, oh, so-and-so is going to see all of the second graders. And, you know, Alyssa is going to see two preschool classes and all of the kindergartners. And then you start to plug it all in (laughs) and it does not work. Mm -hmm. So when we're all together, we can be flexible about, well, this student could works on this and they could who could they be grouped with and oh you have that time and do you want to try seeing this student with that student they're in the same class they have the same resource schedule so you start to see how all those pieces fit together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we we refer to that as the speech draft yes we're, we're trading teams all day long uh, yes. trying to figure mm-hmm. out i, I take it. that one you could take that one mm-hmm. now you two have been in schools though where you were the only speech language yes. pathologist in the school yes. right yes where you were seeing all of the self-contained <laughs> class kids, mm-hmm. you were seeing the pre-Ks, the Ks through probably fifth, and mm-hmm. maybe you had to haul over to the middle school right. or the high school at some point. So, Memories. I mean, you, yes, <laughs> <laughs> you had a broader swath, yes. I'm going to say. And I mean, you have to take into account all the lunches, yes. mm-hmm. all of, you know, the assemblies and 
all of the testing times and, you know, block out that kind of thing. And then we've also got things like, I know that sometimes you can't take kids out of music, right? You can't take kids out of PE. Adaptive PE. Adaptive PE. Obviously, if it's an OT session, you can't take them out of that as well. So you basically write these things down. Now, do you ever get together with say the special day, you know, the, the self-contained teachers and maybe the resource yes. and maybe yes. the OT, does that help to do that? Because the swath is bigger Yes, <laughs> when you're by yourself. Yes, absolutely. If, if you don't have the schedule given to you, you know, like if, uh, you know, if you're the only SLP, the school is smaller, there's less, less special ed teachers. So you can either sit down with them and mm-hmm. talk through it or have it on, have this, their schedule. So you know what to work around. Um, absolutely. But usually with the self-contained, teachers, you would work together to see right. what what is their schedule like and when when do they think would be best for you to go in and when do you think would be best and, and right. work together to, right. to iron that out. Right. Well, and I also think it's important, particularly with our pre-K kids or our more medically involved kids, sometimes day, time of day is mm. crucial to when they're available. Yes. Emotionally and physically for therapy, they may be wiped out by the afternoon. So we want to make sure we're considering that too. Exactly. Exactly. There just aren't enough hours in the day. That is true. (laughs) You know, it's absolutely true. Char Beauchard here. True story. I just hung up the phone with an SLP that had attended an on-site seminar. She said she loved the seminar, but she forgot to fill out her ASHA participant form. Sounds easy enough, huh? Uh Uh-uh. The seminar was three months ago, and all the paperwork had been submitted, and ASHA doesn't take late forms. So I said, Linda, you have to file an appeal with ASHA. Then she said, this is a nightmare. I drove two hours to get there, two hours to get home, and now I have to file an appeal? I felt for her. And then I said, Linda, have you ever heard of SpeechTherapyPD.com? She said, no. I said, just get your CEUs online, girl. That's what I do. You don't have to leave home. They have over 500 hours of video, a huge variety of topics for SLPs that work with children and adults. And if you don't want to watch a video, then listen to the pod courses and get your CEUs that way. Then she said, they're pretty expensive, right? I said, uh, no, their plans start at $89 a year for heaven's sake. And then I I said, do you want the icing on the cake? SpeechTherapyPD.com has scheduled a CEU cruise next summer to Italy and Greece. Woohoo! She said, okay, I'm looking them up right now. And so should you. SpeechTherapyPD.com. Check them out. Tell your friends. You'll be glad you did. Now, um, let's say, let's just take an instance here. Let's say that, that there is a teacher that is not particularly happy with the time that you decided to pull that child. What are some things that you can do to kind of 
help rectify the situation. That has never happened. I don't know what you're talking lies, about. Lies, lies. <laughs> Go ahead, Heidi. We all know. <laughs> yeah, fix it for us, Heidi. Well, yeah, it happens I, to everybody. I do not have a magic wand, but I think what, what has worked for me is to go sit down with the teacher at a time when it's quiet, usually after school, and show her my schedule because they may not understand how much we're pulled in different directions. And when we say, all right, these are the two options I have, which one of these is better for you? Then sometimes they're like, oh, okay, I get it now. I can work with you with this. Okay. Yes. Okay. So just informing them, letting them see it black and white. Right. Okay. Okay. We're we're not trying to be difficult. That's that's not what we're trying to do. I think sometimes they also may not know what it is you're doing. So they don't understand why you're pulling that child out. And so if you have that conversation with them. Well, if I'm taking them out of social studies, they have a tremendous difficulty with vocabulary. So if I'm working with them, I can help them learn the strategies so they can learn those social studies vocabulary words better. Then, then you can, you can really start to knock down that their wall, right. which is mm-hmm. not anything personal against you. It's everything that they have to do on a daily basis Mm -hmm. that they are responsible for. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good point because it is teamwork. Mm -hmm. And if you are pulling the child from social studies or a language time, Mm -hmm. or even maybe a reading time, math and so on. Yeah. You can help make that up in what you're doing. So it is a team approach. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what other things do you have? We can use the term community, but there's also a team mentality. We could use that term Mm -hmm. in establishing a nice working relationship with the teachers. What are some suggestions and ideas, things that you would like to throw out? I know that earlier we were talking about um, the P word. Yes. Yes, the P word. (laughs) And you told us uh, kind of some things that have happened. So would you like to share that with us, Heidi? I I would be happy. And it's not what you think it is. is. (laughs) So I happened to be at a concert this summer and was talking to a woman who was an assistant principal in another county. And she asked what I did. And I told her and she said, oh, you all are princesses. And I was a little shocked. And she went on to explain that her speech therapist was not willing to do duty, didn't really want to be part of the community and really set herself apart in a a very negative way. And that was her experience. So she just assumed we were all that way. And Mm -hmm. I tried to represent us the best we could and correct that. (laughs) But I I think that's a problem sometimes in our field. Mm -hmm. We we don't want to have that princess mentality because it's not going to win you friends. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make you part of the school team. And it's going to make your life harder, not easier. So I think just be aware of how you're connecting socially and the nonverbal and verbal messages you're sharing when you're part of a school community. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Leave your tiara at home. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I also think, oops, sorry. Mm-hmm. I also think that you, you have to have some give and take because like Heidi was saying, you go and have that conversa- conversation with the teacher and you give them these two times. Maybe they don't like either of those times, but you can sit down and talk about what may be better, what may not be better, and why one of those two times truly is the best. Then you have the situations where 
maybe that student also has occupational therapy and the occupational therapist is there two days a week. You're there five days a week. The child has 30 minutes of availability every day. You have to have some give and take. If you scheduled them on a Monday and the OT is only there on a Monday, can you possibly do some shifting around so they can pull them out on Monday and you pull them out on Tuesday? Yeah. So it's logistics and it's being willing to to give and take. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. So that's the scheduling piece. And it's it really can be something that can take a week or two at least oh, yeah. to kind of pull together. Yeah. And then even after I, I remember, you know, when I even got it together, I thought, and when I was seeing kids, sometimes something surfaced and I had yep. to go back and adjust it again. Yes. So always yeah, always changing, always changing, always shifting. Yeah. So we've used the, the term collaborating for scheduling. What about collaborating with the instruction and the therapy that we're doing? What are mm-hmm. some some ways that we can work with the teachers? And I know you're kind of, Heidi, you're going into the classrooms, you're doing classroom yes. and pull out. Mm-hmm. So what are some things just off the top of your head that maybe you'd like to share? Do you want to start, Alyssa? Sure. I think back to what we were just saying before, if you're scheduling them during social studies and they're going to be missing some of that information, how can you work with the teacher to embed that into your therapy? Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, another thing to think about is some of those kids with social skill needs and behavior concerns. How can you, you, the whole team has to be on board with the same behavior management system. Mm-hmm. And so that's a time to collaborate with the teacher to make sure that you are implementing your behavior management system in the same way that's going to work with theirs and, and work all together. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then maybe I, I know we have a new reading program going on in our county. So maybe finding out they, they shifted from um, sight words to power words and it's the same concept, but they might be different words. And so if you're doing articulation therapy, making maybe making sure that you get some of those lists of words. Okay. Um, what else, Heidi? Yeah. What else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think it's something she, in a She's the guru yeah, of yeah, this, she definitely. absolutely is. Okay, Heidi, you're on um, collaborating. I, I think for me, I pull my students from the autism classrooms out once a week, and then I push in once a week. Mm-hmm. So it's great for me to see, A, are they generalizing the skill, and can I help model from my teachers and my parapros yes. when I push in? Mm-hmm. Because what we do in our room is great, but if it never gets implemented everywhere else, it's not going to matter. It's not going to help our kids as much as we need to. And I'm always learning from my teachers. I mean, they have great behavior management skills. They have wonderful vocabulary strategies, time management strategies. So I'm learning from them, too, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, Also on that note, there's something to be said for doing some schedule shifting every once in a while and going and sitting in that student's classroom, just observing Mm -hmm. them and how the teacher works with them. How do they work with other students? You, you, we forget how much is being thrown at them on a daily basis that, you know, we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves. But if we sit back and look at what's going on in that classroom, we may have the next three lesson plans planned because we see 
firsthand the difficulties that they're having in the real classroom setting. Mm -hmm. Good. Let's shift here. We've gotten a little heavy, but let's shift to something (laughs) a little lighter. And that is your therapy room. Your therapy (laughs) room. Ish. Yeah. Therapy room ish. Yeah. 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 And some people maybe don't even have a therapy room. <laughs> Heidi, I know that you have kind of a special situation when it comes to a room. Yes. Or, yeah. Yes. What do you do? Just, just so that people listening know that if they are in this situation, they are not the only one. No, no, you're not alone. Hear that. Um, I have been in everywhere from a utility closet, literally, to a large classroom. And this year I'm sharing with two other SLPs. So it makes it a little tricky for us to all be doing therapy at the same time with our caseload. So I've found other areas in the school building that I can pull my kids to. And I think I need a consistent area. Um, It was suggested to me, I just kind of figure it out on a weekly basis. But for my kids in my autism program, that doesn't work. We need a consistent center-based area to do our therapy. So it puts a little more prep on me to know what I need to bring, but it also forces me to be organized Mm -hmm. and concise and on target with what we're working on. And and I like that. It forces me to be more efficient. That's great. Yeah. It it can be really difficult. And we have five speech therapists to share a room and we are fortunate that everybody has a space. However, we're not always we have two complete separate buildings. So our K2 is in one building or pre-K2 is in one building and three, five is in another. And that may seem fine, except for when there's only one speech therapist in the three, five building, somebody else has to help her. So somebody's always going to be traveling somewhere. So making sure that you have a, a space in the other building is also something else that you have to right. think about right. in the, in that same way. And then you have to be organized and have what you need or know what's there. Right. We're sharing rooms. Sometimes, right. you know, sometimes the person in the three, five who has a space in the three, five building is in the preschool classroom and her room's empty. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's over there using it, share. Share. Yeah. Yeah. Share. <laughs> Good room. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, be a little bit creative and think out of the box, too. We happen to have a STEM farm at our school mm. with goats and chickens and a garden outside. So when it's not 10,000 degrees like it is now, we can take our kids outside as well, which is another great language opportunity. Yes, exactly. And I was just thinking, too, about options. I remember I was in a school district one time where a gal had a cart mm-hmm. and she had all of her items in the cart. And she would go into the classrooms and do her therapy or pull them out into the hallway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she was always, I'm going to say, you know, transient. (laughs) She didn't have a place. She didn't have a room. And, you know, all of this can sound, you know, oh, we don't have a room and we don't have a special place. But you know what? As long as in my mind, as long as I'm focusing on the kids Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I take that responsibility very seriously, that I am here to help a child to enhance their lives, that that's what kind of keeps me going. Um, Let's just say that you do have a room, Mm -hmm. okay? 
and and some people are so focused on making it cute and putting up the bulletin boards, mm. and and I think that's wonderful. And there are people that have that creative bent. Um, I'm certainly not one of those people. Yeah. But if you had a room, and you've certainly had one somewhere along the line in your careers, what do you do? Is it important to put up bulletin boards? It's you know how do you display things, or mm-hmm. what's your method of organization? And you know we're focusing here on you know beginning of the year. Yes. And that sounds like kind of a beginning of the year yes. task. Yes. yes. So th- thinking that you have, like we talked about before, that very limited amount of time in your room uh, during pre-planning, uh, maybe you come in earlier and do some things before that. That's up to you. But, you know, I like to keep my decoration, my bulletin board simple perhaps functional. So maybe Mm -hmm. I have some things on that board that are visuals that I refer to a lot or um, things that I can actually take off and use during therapy uh, and or it might be related to the theme that I wanted to use. You know, if I like last year I was did superheroes, I never changed my bulletin board. I put it up once. It stayed there all year. Nothing Mm -hmm. happened. Nothing changed. Mm -hmm. But it had a whole body listening poster on it and it had rules for speech on it. Simple, not a lot of things around the room because our kids are typically already distractible. Mm -hmm. They don't need a lot of extra things to look at. So they're going to be looking around the room. Better for them to be looking at something that's actually useful for therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I like to do is, you know, I have a lot of um, articulation cards or toys or this or that. And so if I'm going to have cute containers, I might as well use them for something functional. And I put a picture on everything so that kids who can't read or um, don't, if you can't see what's inside of it, you can see what you're going to be finding in that bin. So I can still make it a little bit cute, have colors that I might like, containers that I like, but it's all functional and organized. So I know where everything is. Good idea. I never thought about putting a picture on the outside. What a great great idea. idea. So I have a big cabinet. And I have pictures on the outside of the cabinet so the kids know what's inside of it. Ah. So, you know, not every single thing, but I have a picture of a game of games. So they know that when they open that, they're going to find some games. Um, I have a picture of the farm because that's where I keep the farm. So they they know where to find things. They still have to ask for them, but they know what they can ask for. Yes. Good idea. What about you, Heidi, and, and your room? If my, you one. <laughs> my corner, my corner of my corner. room. Um, I set up a big bulletin board in my room with zones of regulation. And I had this mm-hmm. last year, too. And if you don't know what that is, please go look it up. It will change your life. I promise. So it's basically a four-color system to talk about emotional regulation. You have green when you're calm and ready, blue when you're sad or tired, yellow when you're nervous or silly or hyper, and then red if you're really out of control and angry. Mm-hmm. And I use 
it as a check-in at the beginning and end of therapy with my students to see how they're feeling walking in the door and then how we're leaving um, just to get them regulated. Well, I'm not seeing my kids in that room this year. So this beautiful board is there. So instead, we did personal ones um, this week for our therapy lesson. And I'm going to laminate them and I'll take them with me with my kids. They've been exposed to it before. So it's just an easy transition. Okay. And I would... I'll probably get killed for this, but a Pinterest friendly room doesn't make you a better therapist. It's beautiful, but it's not going to make your therapy better. Really focus on the quality of your therapy and not the quality of your decorations. I'll get Mm. off my soapbox. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As speech therapists, we have kids coming every 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. We don't have 25, 30 kids in the room, you know, seven hours a day. They're like funneling through and... Yes, we need to have maybe some articulation information, some language, maybe, you know, the zones of regulation, some things that are going to be more um, that associate with a lot of our kids that we see. It's going to be hard to decorate just, mm-hmm. you know, yes. if you're seeing everybody from, yes. from pre-K to fifth, you know, you can't just zero in on a particular grade. It has to be functional for everybody. And how many of the kids actually even notice? They really don't That's even, a good question. They don't even care. They're, That's a good question. You know, unless maybe their picture is up there. <laughs> yes. Right. You know, or maybe you have a chart and you have your stars or your stickers mm-hmm. and they're going over on the sticker and they're heading toward the ice cream day. Yes. You know, okay. They're going to notice that, yes. right? Make it functional. Make it functional. Exactly. Okay. Good ideas, ladies. I totally agree. Okay. We do have, you know, we have a few more minutes here. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to bring up another P word <laughs> and it's paperwork. Paperwork. You know, I know paperwork is ever present mm-hmm. and it's something that we obviously have to do. But what are some things that come to mind when I say paperwork and what can you give us that's going to help us to put it in perspective? So instead of focusing on decorating your room while you're in between the scheduling issues, focus on your data sheets. What are you going to use for behavior management? What are calendar, that came out weird, (laughs) calendar out your IEP and reeval due dates? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I Mm -hmm. agree. And I think also figuring out what your reward system is going to be. If you're going to have a treasure box, if you're not going to have a treasure box, whatever you need to do, do it consistently. And if you can set yourself up for success before school starts, Mm -hmm. it's going to make it so much easier that first kind of dicey month. And then if you need to change it after that, you can. Okay. So you're saying get organized Organized. from the get go. Yes. Oh, and even before, if if I can jump in there, I know we're already into this next school year, but if you can leave your folders with like little happy notes for the next year for yourself, like um, who to group your child with, what were great reinforcers, um, any kind of tips and tricks, then you'll have that beautiful folder to open up that first week of school to jog your memory and you won't have to recreate the wheel. Mm -hmm. Good idea. Okay, anything else that you can tell us about organizing paperwork? Like, do you have a folder or do you have a master sheet for that calendar? I mean, get nitty gritty sure. here with me. What What do you do? So 
I find I do it different every single year <laughs> and you have to find what works for you. So sometimes I print out a calendar or, a, you know, something, you know, like a, what they have at the front of uh, date books, you know, where right. it has just every month. And sometimes I'll write it down. Sometimes okay. I'll pull up an electronic document and I'll type it and I'll print it and hang it up. Okay. Sometimes I, I sometimes I have Google documents. Same thing with my schedules. Um, I will make my I now currently make my schedule on the computer and then I can print it and keep it wherever I need it. Um, there were plenty of times where it was just a blank piece of paper and it was written with pencil mm-hmm. um, or mm-hmm. erasable pen. Those are pretty <laughs> there nice. There you go. Uh, the IEP due dates, you've got to get that in. However, that works for you. Maybe you use a planner and you want to write it on the month that it's due. Maybe you want to write it two months prior so you know what you have coming up. Right. That's that you have to work that system out for yourself. Right. And I was actually talking to one of my CFs this week about collecting data for our groups. Clinical fellowship. Yes. Clinical, clinical fellowship. I have two this year that are fabulous, fabulous, smart women. They're going to be great. But we were talking about how to collect data in a crazy pre-K group setting. Mm -hmm. You're managing behaviors and barely keeping your head above water. It's hard to do that. Mm -hmm. So we had a discussion that when you pull them for your individual sessions, that's your time to probe the skill. Then when you're in the group setting, watch them. Kind mm-hmm. of take that that incidental data. You're not going to be writing down a percentage at that point. You right. can do it afterwards, but don't set yourself up for that. It's too stressful. And you're going to miss those language opportunities because you're writing down pluses and minuses. And that defeats the purpose. Exactly. And so you want to think about that when you are figuring out what your data sheet or data sheets <laughs> are going to look like. Because you might have something different that you take into the classroom and something different that you use when you pull out. You just, those are things that you just have to try different things and see what works for you. I change probably at least once a year mm-hmm. the kind of system that I use. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as the organization of the paperwork, you use a calendar or something along those lines. Um, I always found too that if I just type up a sheet that has, or several sheets, <laughs> that at the top it has January mm-hmm. and then Put a few lines yes, exactly. and then February and put a few lines or, or, you know, I usually started like in September, September. October. Yeah. And then write them all in there yep. and then type them up. Yep. And then also share that with the ladies in the front office so yes. that they know and they're, they're going to know that these parents are going to be coming through, you know, this month mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And also then I can visualize ahead of time and see mm-hmm. who's going to be. I have to test or do an annual review or whatever. So I kind of like it just in a visual couple yeah. of sheets so that I can kind of mark them off and anticipate who I'm going to be testing or what they need. Um, and, and one other point I think is important when you're talking about community, that if you're not the primary provider, if they have more than speech, right. sometimes it's easy for them to forget to invite us to IEP meetings or evaluation consideration meetings. So it 
would be worth your time to reach out to the teachers the month before, even two weeks before and say, hey, I have this on my calendar. Do you have it scheduled yet? That way you're being collaborative and you're being proactive and not reactive. Yep, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Good idea. All right. So do you have any special check sheets for your additional organization and so on? What what do you do? Um, I've started using a lot on the computer now because we have access to Google Drive and we have access mm-hmm. to Microsoft Office stuff. I don't know what it's called. SharePoint <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Um, so we we're finding that we can use a lot of that and create shared folders. So, you know, if there are two of us that go into different preschool classrooms, but the whole preschool department's using the same theme, we can just pop stuff in there and share it with each other. And then we decide, we just recently decided, okay, well, I'm going to put a bin right there by my door and because she's going to walk right past it and everything for that theme will just be in that bin that we've made. If she makes something and I make something, we put it all in there and then you can just come and grab something if you need it on your way down there. Um, so, you know, so that you have extra things. So we're trying to work smarter and really do more collaboration with that, with those kinds of things as well. So we're not all recreating the wheel. And so mm-hmm. using some of those online tools to share all those things together really helps. Okay. So is that an app? Or Google, just no, Google, Google just Drive. That that's what our our school system uses okay. is Google based. But also, like if you're using Microsoft Outlook, you might have access to something similar. Uh, OneDrive, I think it's mm-hmm, called. Mm-hmm. You can do Dropbox. There's right. all sorts of different okay. ways that yeah. you could that you can do those sorts right. of things. Sort of a one area. One stop shop. Maintain it. Yeah. Yeah. So that everybody can go there. We actually keep all our schedules on there, Mm -hmm. our caseload management list. All of those things are all there for all of us to access. Yeah. Yeah. So that we um, can add add things on there at any time, make a schedule change. Maybe we can't get a student scheduled. You can look at somebody else's schedule and see, Mm -hmm. oh, and then, and then ask them, Hey, I see that you have some other third graders at this time. We just got a new one. Could you plug them in or, you know, just makes it easier. My school is is the same. We run on Google Drive and it is great to have that information available to everybody. Um, One other piece of documentation I think is great to think about is an introduction letter at the beginning of the year to go home to your families. Um, Because, again, they're trusting us. They're not there. It's just giving them a little security of how to contact you, um, maybe a little background information, a face with the name. I think that's just good practice to set up your school year that mm-hmm. way. I do think it's good if you wait until you've run through your schedule one time <laughs> to make sure that you really are going to have that kid yes, for a little nice. while yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to change. The welcome letter in a week. Yeah, Correct. Correct. You know, you guys read my mind. I was thinking about how do you actually yeah. connect with the parents at the beginning of the year? Yes. And Very then important. also connecting throughout the year. Right. Um, any additional ideas on that? Oh, I will a lot of times when we have parent-teacher conferences, I will try to pop in. I'll try to find out from the teacher when they're meeting. And I don't have to be there for the whole conference. But if I can pop in and say hi or know what time the parent's coming and catch them up at the front. Uh, I'm also fortunate that I live in the community. 
So sometimes I'll be out at Target and I'll see the kid. <laughs> Maybe I've never met the parent, but the kid's going to know who I am. So that's an opportunity. You have to take those opportunities yeah. when you have them. Right. Um, because also, if you're going to reach out to a parent, make sure it's positive. Yes. Let's, mm-hmm. You don't want to always just be sending home something that's negative or calling them because something went wrong. You know, you can make a random phone call to a parent, maybe pick one parent a week and call mm-hmm. and tell them something, something wonderful about their student. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh, well, keeping in touch with parents, I think, is important. If it's something that you want to do as far as sending home homework, mm-hmm. I mean, that is just a super critical piece of making sure that parent knows that he or she or both uh, is an important important part of the team. Yeah. Right. And so the, the eligibility meetings, the IEP meetings and so on, I think are absolutely critical Number one, yes, to let them know that, you know, here is what's going on with your child, but also to let them know, hey, um, we need your help and Mm -hmm. assistance and your support, whether it's just talking with the child and supporting that the child is actually doing it or signing whatever it is that you sent and Mm -hmm. it needs to come back. Or even maybe helping if if the child is on some kind of generalization program Mm -hmm. or transfer program that the child needs to be doing that at home. I I think that's another place also where you can work with the teacher. Um, What is their communication system with the teacher, Mm -hmm. with the parent? Um, Our school uses a weekly folder um, where the the parent knows it's coming home. So maybe that's the day that you choose to send something, something home related to what's been going on in speech. It doesn't have to be a newsletter. It doesn't have to be long. It can just be something quick. Uh, maybe that's the day that you decide to send home some form of speech homework because you know that that child is coming home with that folder. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. the parent knows that they're supposed to come home <laughs> <Right>. with that folder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's um, important when we're sending home progress reports or eligibilities for IEPs, we try to send that information home several days before the meeting because, especially for our involved kids, it's a lot of information to process as a parent. Mm-hmm. So, to Alyssa's point, I think always lead with a positive, something strong. Don't lead with he's cute. That's mm. that's not a, that's a positive, but that's not what you want to start with. But really something that you see as a strength in that child and you want to celebrate with the family because then they can hear the harder things, I think, a little more readily because they know you care about them and it builds mm-hmm. that trust. So mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Good points. Well, ladies, we are nearing the end. Is there anything else that you would like to share in regards to getting the the beginning of the year off to a really good start in the schools. Anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to say? I think for those of you, those of us who are by ourselves, maybe in a school, you need to find a mentor, a speech mentor, and Mm -hmm. and don't wait till you're drowning to do this. We don't want that to happen. There's a really high burnout rate in our field because there are so many things that are asked of us. But I think if you can find a great mentor who can walk along beside you it will help you, especially at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would just say, remember why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, why did you get in the field to begin with? Why is What is important to you about it? You are not going to hurt this child by pulling them at 
the opposite time of what you thought you were going to be pulling them. You're not, you, you can, there's flexibility. You can change the way that you're doing your therapy at any minute. Your lesson plan that you wrote doesn't have to stay <laughs> that way. Scrap it. If the kid comes in crying, trying to teach him how to say his R sound or trying to have him answer WH questions is not the purpose of your lesson that day. So focus on that relationship and yeah. focus on the reason why you are with purpose on purpose. That's mm -hmm. our school there you go. theme for the year. And that is focusing on the child. Mm -hmm. Not so much, oh, I am a speech language pathologist and I have this lesson mm -hmm. and we're going to do this lesson. <laughs> and I learned that a long time ago. And, you know, I can have the absolute best laid plans, but if I have a child that wants to take it another direction mm -hmm. and it's going to be useful and beneficial for that child, I'm all over it. And I will follow that child and, and adjust. Mm -hmm. Now I know that that, you know, you, you kind of do that after some experience, yeah. but you know, in order to learn how to do it, you have to do it. And I just think it's important to stay focused on the child absolutely, yes, and the child's needs. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This is so fun. It's yes, always fun. totally fun. Thank you for all that you do with your kids and all of your great information that you shared with us. And and just just point of information here: these ladies just drove a long ways to get to this studio. <laughs> it wasn't so, that far. Well, it seems like a long ways, and I certainly appreciate you so much. Absolutely. So, thank right. you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Hey, Busy SLP, Char Beauchart here. Here's a tip from me to you. Every week, become a lot more informed. Sign up for Therapy Matters at charbeauchart.com. It's free. Learn our tech and language tips and techniques and tons of ideas for making your school therapy life easier and more effective. I've been a therapist for 30 plus years and I love to share what I've learned. Sign up for Therapy Matters, read it or listen to it at charbochart.com. You'll be glad you did because the therapy that you do matters. Sign up now. Thank you for listening to the speech link. Please check out my other offerings at my website, charvochart.com, and also speechtherapypd.com. See you next time for more interviews, information, and insights. Until then, thank you so much for all that you do with your speech kids. Be well, and God bless.